helping families be happy. Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family love and relationships. I am your host, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness advocate, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I've teamed up with Familius Publishing to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. Now, I am absolutely thrilled to introduce today's guest, Gabe Jensen, who will be talking with us about his book, Never Wolf, The Dog Who Never Barked. Hello, Gabe, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. It's, it's a pleasure to have you. I can't, never wolf, the dog who never barked. I cannot wait to hear more about this. So tell our listeners a little bit about who you are. So I am a new uh, kids book author illustrator. Um, this is my debut book. And it's something that I've been working on now for approximately 30 years trying to become published. I actually tried to publish my first book when I was 19 years old. And even though I wasn't successful there, I got the bug then. And it's now that I'm finally able to see, uh, see it realized. Oh, fabulous. Now, I know, just let me ask you, that book that you, that you went for at age 19, congratulations. Mm-hmm. What, was, yeah. what was that book about? <laughs> so that book was called uh, Nightmangers. And the idea is that there were these elves that would bring on the night. So they would basically paint on paint on the night. So it was sort of a story of these little creatures that, um, that are responsible for night, uh, night happening. Um, and I sort of took that, and even though I didn't, um, wasn't able to publish that, I parlayed that into what ended up being a long career in children's media. Uh, I wasn't in publishing, but I also had an interest in computers at the time. And so I was able to um, take that interest and turn it into a career working in kids media, in this case, digital media. And in one case, I actually worked for a, an online game called Pop Tropica that's actually owned by, uh, started by Jeff Kinney, the, uh, the wimpy kid author. Ah, he was my boss. Got it. So you have quite a storied history, and I love that. Also, it sounds like in your past, you also, and I really appreciate this about you, you have such a strong creative streak where you've done it looks like sites for games and puzzle games so that our, our brains don't atrophy. <laughs> That's right. I actually worked for a while for a site called Lumosity, whose goal is to help you train your brain uh, for 15 minutes a day. And the idea is you play these brain games and puzzlers and word games um, as a way to increase your focus, increase your attention, and I designed games for them uh, for a few years, which was a really fun experience. I did a number of word games and logic games, and we got to work with neuroscientists to uh, design games that we knew would most effectively help people to train their brains. That sounds 
fabulous and no better time to start training our brains than by reading books when we are young. So as a natural mm -hmm. segue into mm -hmm. your book about mm -hmm. Neverwolf. Tell me about Neverwolf. Mm -hmm. I love, oh, just, I, I so, don't want to take it from you, but I love that one of your key parts, one of your favorite parts about the mm -hmm. book is, he saw a pack of pugs run by, but never did he wolf. He saw a bone cloud in the sky, but never did he wolf. Okay. That's right. <laughs> so Neverwolf is a such a good dog, and he never barks. And I think anyone who's ever owned a dog or lived near someone who owned a dog can appreciate a dog who doesn't bark a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, but what happens to Neverwolf, and he, he sees all of these things in his environment that normally would make a dog bark. He even hears a fire engine go by and he follows the fire engine and he saves a baby. But all the time he keeps this, he keeps this demeanor of calm about him oh. until <laughs> one night, his family home gets invaded by a robber named Stinky Sue. And now he has to decide, what is he going to do? Is he going to stay true to himself and his name? Or is he going to warn his family? Oh, my goodness. Don't tell us what happens. I can guess what it might be, <laughs> but I'm not going to say anything. Oh, my goodness. So... The downside, it seems like there's an upside downside to the story is that Neverwolf is very zen, very calm, very grounded, so to speak, you know, just implacable. And yet he might have to step out of that calm space to yes. do something good to protect his people. That's right. And the ending, which I also will not give away, um, is it gives him, he figures out a way to stay true to himself. And this is really the twist of the book. He figures out a way to stay true to himself while still uh, helping his family and helping his house. And I think that's really what this book is all about. It's, I think kids and even as adults, sometimes we struggle to, on the one hand, be true to who we feel we are. But at the same time, especially for those, those kids that may be shy um, or those even adults who may still be shy, um, constantly feel this pressure to kind of get over that. But I think the key is to figure out a way to stay true to that part of yourself that may make you more of a quiet person, but at the same time, be able to find your voice uh, in a way that's true to you. And I think that's, that's the general message of this book. So beautiful. So we're talking about Neverwolf being an introvert. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and a very self-reflective introvert, but he might have to, you know, embrace some outgoingness here in order to, isn't that an, that's a really lovely way to look at it because, and also, you know, I'm thinking about this through a psychological lens. There's a piece where it also sounds like Neverwolf has a certain wisdom to him where he mm -hmm. is not hyper reactive. He's not overly reactive. He's not coming from a place of, so he must have had very good parenting because he's very grounded and rooted, right? And so he's not in a place where he's coming from trauma and hearing and thinking that everything's a threat, but he really knows how to differentiate that. So he yes, sounds like he's exactly. quite wise. He is wise and he's sort of what I wish maybe I had been when I, part of the, the origin of this story is that when I was 
seven years old, my family moved from a very rural place in Kentucky where we were on a farm to smack dab in the middle of Brooklyn, New York. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I, I struggled initially um, with finding my own voice um, in an environment that was very unfamiliar to me, much more chaotic, much more loud. Uh, I probably didn't have the same wisdom that uh, that never would have had. And I think, you know, what, what a lot of kids do in that situation, what I did is to, you sort of experiment different things and then later realize, you know, this isn't really for me. Uh, some of the kids on my block were kind of rough and sometimes there was fighting going on. And I sort of was like, at first I was like, I gotta be tough. I gotta get in there and fight and realize, you know, after the first fight, this is not going to be my way. So I had to keep sort of looking for, where, where I could find my place in that environment, again, staying, staying true to self. You're giving me chills as I'm listening to you because through your journey of self-discovery and maturation, you realized how to stay true to yourself, which is something many people don't know and don't understand how to do that. And, and so you're giving children a way to really look at this is okay. This is okay to figure out who I am. This is okay to have to think about it. Because it sounds like Neverwolf actually had to think about the right thing to do. He didn't know the right thing to do. He had to think about it. That's right. And I think you won't see it as much in this book because it's a short book. He doesn't have a lot of time to explore <laughs> all the wrong ways he could have done it. Maybe if I do expand it into a novel someday or a middle grade, he'll have more time to sort of go down all these paths that are that, that end up as dead ends but I but I think that's an important part of the message to say you're going to try things on that don't feel right and that's okay and that's an important part of finding the true path is going down the wrong paths a number of times absolutely and going down those paths and instead of blaming yourself or shaming yourself or having a parent blame you or shame you right it is that piece of going oh what did I learn by going down this path? What worked? What didn't work? And so it sounds like that is a big message of the book is yes. figuring out how to tell what the right path is. And if maybe it gets a little bit off, that at least you tried, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's a, it's a simple message, but I hope it's one that kids will respond to. I also designed the art to sort of match the simplicity of what I feel that message is. I feel like when you look at kids' books today, there's this incredible artwork that's being made for them by these amazing artists that I'm in awe of and jealous of. I remember as a kid seeing books that were incredibly simple and there was something that I latched onto about that. Um, they weren't necessarily, you know, something that you would put in a museum, um, but I felt a connection to them by their simplicity I feel like in general, kids' books have gotten away from that a little bit. Um, it concerns me a little bit. I think that they're being marketed more towards adults who look at this amazing art and think, I'm gonna grab that. And it's not that kids can't appreciate the beautiful art, they do, but I'm trying to carve out a little niche of a more classic style with just two colors and black and a very, very simplistic style that I'm hoping uh, some kids will uh, connect with. And I think that's so important because I love how you're talking about how it dovetails with your message. The visual aspect of simplicity meets 
the message of simplicity and I don't I think that's why we sometimes really have a few quotes in our heads as we go through life that are very meaningful to us because they are simple because we can have them in mm -hmm. bite-sized pieces rather than reading a novel we can remember to get on our path because we have this nugget this you know very clear piece and it sounds like never wolf is one of those and i'm a big fan of simplicity myself so i think that that's really beautiful because it also activates the child's imagination to be able to, mm -hmm. you know, imbue it with colors, imbue it with more. You can add, yes. right, your own imagination. That's a great, that's a great point. And, you know, I also um, worked in, while I worked in kids media, I also worked in uh, regular uh, gaming. I, I designed uh, puzzle games and had, had my own side of puzzle games that were, um, that for, were for any age. And I came of age in a time when video games were so simple that there were just a few blocks on the screen. And there was this beauty to having to fill it, fill in the rest. So it's a great point. There's definitely a corollary there for me. Uh, and if, as compared with now, you look at video games and you're, it's as if you're in the real world. And as amazing as that may be, it does leave something to the imagination. It does. And I, I also, when you said that the message is simple, I think the simple messages in life, particularly for children, right? But also for adult brains, you know, like mine and anybody else's, sometimes when we see this simple message that as we're reading to a child, we know they are getting it on some level, no matter the age, and we are getting that reassurance. And so while the message may, see, may seem simple on, on the surface, there are many children and adults who do not know what it is to be true to themselves. So, you know, right. so right. I think that giving messages like that in subtle or not so subtle ways always is supportive because it just might land in the right heart at the right time, whether it's the parent or the child. And that's what I love about, you know, the, the familiar values of one of them is, you know, reading together, learning together, playing together, all of those things as we learn together and really move into using reading as an experience where we're connecting with the child, but also learning with the child. It's just, it's fabulous. So thank you for bringing this book to life. I am excited. Well, thank you, thank you. Part of the reason that I'm so excited to have published this book is I'm really looking forward to having the chance to read to kids of the age that this is designed for, which is four to six. My kids are a little older and I haven't been able to do that as much. So I thought, well, if you wanna read read some books to kids, you should go publish one, and then you'll be able to go to schools and libraries and really reconnect with the original reason that I wanted to do this. It's, it can be challenging sometimes when you're trying to publish a kid's book because many of the, most of the gatekeepers, um, all the gatekeepers are adults, of course, the editors, the agents, the art directors, and it can be hard sometimes to not lose track of the fact that you're writing for kids, you, you can feel yourself start to write for these gatekeepers. As you're writing new stories, you, they're in your head somewhere. I've had this happen to me where I'm like, oh no. And so I have to fight against that impulse to sort of write to the market or write to these gatekeepers. And for better or for worse, even if the story fails and isn't, doesn't get published, I feel like I'm in integrity with myself if I'm always keeping in mind that it's kids that 
will ultimately be reading these books. And I so appreciate that. And it, it takes us right back to Never Wolf, staying in touch with yourself, staying integrity filled, and doing what you believe is the right thing and realizing, wait a second, if I'm trying to please other people, I might not be staying in touch with what's really important to me. And if people get pleased while you're staying in touch with yourself, wonderful. But to lose yourself to please other people, uh, it doesn't go out very well that way, does it? Yes, exactly. And it's, uh, it's something that I, I hope I picked up from my dad was actually a science fiction, is a science fiction writer. Um, he was fairly well known, not one of the big names, but if you're somebody who is geeking out on science fiction pretty hard, you might have heard of him. And it was really interesting to watch his process growing up. And when it comes to trying to be in integrity with your work, he actually started out not uh, as an author, but he was on the other side of publishing. He was a copy editor and he worked his way up at a publisher in New York to copy chief. And then one day realized, wait a second, <laughs> I'm only writing what's on the back of the book or maybe on the inside flap. I want to write what's in the middle of the book. <laughs> so he finally decided to make the plunge and was able to, uh, to publish his first novel and then go on to, to publish uh, a number of novels and a number of short stories. Uh, one of which, um, probably his you know, better known work is on a plaque for some reason, I don't quite understand why, but in the San Jose Tech Museum is one of his shorter stories is there. You can go into the museum and, and see his work, which is kind of cool. Uh, so he's been a big inspiration for you. <laughs> very much so, very much so. And it was, was often some tough love as well. I remember bringing him projects and him saying, yeah, I don't see it. <laughs> he wasn't always. <laughs> so, but what it meant was when I remember when I first brought him a kid's book, maybe five years ago, after I'd started to get more serious about trying to get published. And I was nervous, you know, because he can be very, very tough sometimes. Um, but he really liked the, the story. Um, and it was, it was an important moment for me. And Going back to the true to self and integrity theme, if he had liked everything that I'd ever done, it might not have meant as much. So the fact that he had been really honest, even though it was painful sometimes, made you know, him liking something mean so much more. That the dad stamp of approval, a heartfelt yes. stamp of approval. And mm -hmm. what a good way, what a wonderful way to show up as a parent, being thoughtful, not a hard no, not an easy yes, but one that really involves a connection of saying, I see you, I'm going to look at this and I'll give you my honest opinion. Right. Yeah. Right. Which can be really difficult, right? Because you want to support your kids and everything they do and you don't want to, you know, cut them off and shoot them down. Right. So that can be a really difficult balance. It is. And I think that the going back to Neverwolf, right? That's how sometimes we find our center by having a parent who's really invested say mm, not so great but how about let's move over here and mm, that's great and keep going that way so those parental nudges can make all the difference in keeping a child's dreams alive so that they can grow up and do things like write 
wonderful children's books. Yep. So congratulations. I am so thrilled. As we wind down, what are three or four key ideas or takeaways you would like to give to listeners today? I think number one, keep looking for your true voice, even if you find yourself speaking with a false voice initially. Don't let that discourage you. Be able to listen for the falseness. We all can hear falseness in others, we can hear falseness in our own voice. And it's a normal part of the process to explore those and then move in a different direction. So keep going on that journey. You'll feel it in all of your body when, and in your head, when you've hit that, that true self. And it's something that you continue to look for and refine in different ways on into adulthood and beyond. Exquisite. Okay. Thank you. That was brilliant. That was brilliant. It's okay to speak a little bit of a false voice as you're trying to find your true voice because along the way you're being in touch with your false with that falseness will help you find your true voice brilliant thank you for sharing that uh, i would say also don't be restrained by a certain path if you're interested in creative pursuits i would say definitely explore even if you don't feel like you're expert in any one of them, I'll tell you that I had a, uh, a teacher one time tell me the following words, you know, there are people who can really draw, he said. <laughs> so that was not a good thing to hear, but I persisted and I may not be, you know, somebody who should be working for Disney, but I found my visual style that works for me. And not everyone is going to be necessarily positive in your journey, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be making it creatively. Absolutely. I'm thinking of Monet and Picasso. So you go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Forget the naysayers. Mm -hmm. Stay true to yourself. Oh, I love exactly. it. I love exactly. it. Anything else? Um, I'd say it's very important to be persistent, especially if you're trying to do something difficult like publish a book. I have had, uh, I think the last time I checked, 300 rejections. There were some positives in there that I tried to build on. There were a couple times where someone said they were interested and it fell through, or I may have had one agent who wanted to see more work. These little, they're called we call them in, in those of us that are trying to make uh, kids books, champagne rejections. They're basically, they're, they're no's, but they're, they help to um, move you forward. And I think it's important to appreciate those, appreciate those positive no's because you're going to need, you might need to get through a lot of them to get to a yes. And that's normal, that's expected. And if you love, the work that you're doing, keep focusing on that and let that push you through a lot of the, uh, this negativity that you might find. I love that perseverance, perseverance and 300 rejections. Hmm, they just didn't see you. <laughs> <laughs> That's they right. just didn't see That's you. Right. Nah. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> well, thank you so much for being with us today, Gabe. It has been such a pleasure, such a joy to share time with you. Where can our listeners find you? So if you look at GabeJensenBooks.com, that's GabeJensenBooks.com, and probably Instagram, GabeJBooks would be another great place to see some samples from the book. Okay, and let me spell that, and I'll spell that. It is Gabe Jensen, G-A-B-E-J-E-N-S-E-N, and the book is Never Wolf, The Dog Who Never Barked, and as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes and social media. If you'd like more wonderful Familius content, be sure to visit us at Familius.com where you will find our Habit Hub blog as well as a spectacular selection of books for families. One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place. Thank you for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Marie Manley. It's been a joy and a true pleasure. Be well and shine as only you can do. We talk together, learn together, play, work, eat together. We laugh together.